And Yahuwah spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto the children of Yasharel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall be a Shabbat, a memorial of the blowing of the shofars, a holy assembly. Ye shall do no sell-by work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. Welcome to the Science of the Covenant. This is a special day. Today we are celebrating the Feast of Trumpets. So, as we begin, I'm about to turn it over to the pastor, and he's going to deliver a wonderful message today. Pastor, what are we talking about today? Okay, we want to zero in on what the day means, and that is dealing with the blowing of the trumpets. Uh, and we must understand that uh, this is celebrated by many of the so-called Jews, and they look at this day as a day in which it is a new year and they celebrate it as such and so around this time of the year they are not just celebrating the feast of trumpets but they call it a new year but the bible never refers to it as a new year the bible refers to it as the blowing of trumpets and so their interpretation is, is that they say it is a new year, but that is something that has been interpreted, but not necessarily uh, true from the biblical standpoint. So as we look at this day in which we call the blowing of the trumpets, we want to be able to see uh, what the word says concerning this. So as we get started with our study concerning the Feast of Trumpets, we want to turn into Numbers chapter 10. And in Numbers chapter 10, we want to go to verse number one. And we want to read uh, just about two verses here. And just before we get started, let us ask for a word of prayer. Eternal Father, as we go into your word, that your Holy Spirit, through the blood of Yeshua the Messiah, may guide us in understanding some portions of the day of which we call the blowing of trumpets, Yom Teruah. And as we look at it, that it may give us insight and understanding concerning your great plan of salvation. Bless each listener. Bless each mind, and most of all, bless each one of our relationships with thee, that we may be the better for it after this day. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it, and for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen and amen. Now here, we want to read in Numbers. Here in Numbers, it speaks about, uh, it says in the 10th chapter, verse 1, and Yehoah spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver, of a whole piece shalt thou make them, that thou mayest use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. Okay, now here they were instructed to make some trumpets, okay, and they were to make these trumpets and they were to blow them. Now we want to turn to Numbers chapter 29. Okay, now we saw 
he was instructing them to make some silver trumpets. Now, we want to go to Numbers chapter 29. In Numbers chapter 29, in verse number one, it says, And in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, ye shall have an holy convocation. Ye shall do no survival work. It is a day of blowing trumpets unto you. Okay. So Numbers is saying that these trumpets that they were instructed to make, they were also to be able to bring in the seventh month. And on the seventh month, on the first day, it says they should uh, have a holy convocation and no survival work is to be done. And it is a day of blowing trumpets. So here we turn again to Leviticus chapter 23. Here in Leviticus chapter 23, in conjunction to the uh, verses that we've already read in, in the book of Numbers, and here we want to read in Leviticus chapter 23, and in the 23rd chapter we want to read verses 23 down through 25, and it says, And Jehovah spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, in the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing trumpets and holy convocation. Ye shall do no survival work, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto Jehovah. So in these verses, uh, we see that he points out that when we keep this day, it's like a Sabbath. He points out in this verse that it's like a a, 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 a Sabbath. You don't do any work on the Sabbath, and neither are we to do any work on the Feast of Trumpets. So here in these passages concerning the Feast of Yom Teruel, of which we refer as the Feast of Trumpets, this feast <clears throat> is on the first day of the seventh month, and we are told that Israel should have a memorial of blowing shofars, of which we call trumpets. In addition to the blowing of the trumpets, this day was to be celebrated as a Sabbath, and it was to be a holy convocation. No survival work was to be done, and an offering was to be made. So when we look at this uh, particular uh, day, it was a day that was set aside whereby all of Elohim's people were to be able to come aside in a holy convocation. And in this holy convocation, they were to be able to just blow the shofars. And as they would blow the shofars, then they would be in compliance to what this day was all about. And so... If we in all of the passages that we read, we read in none of them that said that we should be having a new year. There was no year that was mentioned. Remember that in the first month of the first year, that was a new year. And Elohim didn't have any other new year outside of the year that had come into the spring time of the year. So we want to clear up the traditions that Everyone that keeps this day may not be keeping it according to the Bible. They may have their own traditions in there, 
But as far as possible, we want to stick with the scriptures that he says it was a day of blowing trumpets, not a new year. Okay. So what we want to try and accomplish in this discourse is to draw out and elaborate upon the meaning and the purpose of the shofar. And in doing so, we will point out when Yah introduced the shofar to his people. Okay, so we, we want to first understand and elaborate on what is the significance of the shofar, and then we want to see when it was introduced uh, to his people. Now, we want to start with the latter point first, and then we go into the, the, uh, the, the formal point. And the formal point was that we want to understand about the shofar, and the latter point was that when was it introduced to his people. So we want to start with the introduction to his people first, and then we're going to get into the explanation of the shofar. Okay, so with that uh, being laid out, uh, when we consider the fact that when Israel blew the trumpets in correlation uh, to a number of the things that was transpiring in the camp of Israel, what we will under, what we would come to understand is that the shofar was used in a number of, of situations. So I want to turn to let us turn back to the book of Numbers. And back to the book of Numbers, we want to uh, go to the 10th chapter, Numbers chapter 10. Okay. Now, when we look at Numbers chapter 10, what we'll notice is that Numbers chapter 10 is what we have read earlier. It points out that Jehovah told Moses to make two silver trumpets. And they were to blow them. And if you would read the entire chapter of Numbers 10, you will see that there were a plethora of areas in which they were to blow the trumpet on a number of occasions. So when we come to the seventh month and the first day that they blew trumpets, it was not the beginning point of them blowing trumpets, but this was a set-aside day that they would only blow trumpets, but the trumpets were blown on other occasions. So when we consider the fact that when Israel blew the trumpets in correlation uh, to the other times, that it was not something new. Now, but I want to point out to you that when they blew the trumpets, that there was something significant about one of the events that they would blow the trumpets on. And that is found in verse number 10. Numbers 10, 10 says, also in the day of your gladness and in your solemn days. Now, the solemn days were the festival days. You had seven annual festival days. And he says they were to blow the trumpets. Matter of fact, they even blow the trumpets every month. And in verse 10, it goes on to say, in the beginning of, the, of your month. In other words, every month you should blow the trumpet. He said you should blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings. Okay. In other words, when they sent up the burnt offerings, they were to uh, blow the trumpets. And then it says and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. In other words, when they made a sacrifice, they were to blow the trumpets, that they may be to you for a memorial before your Elohim. I am your whore, your Elohim. So, so when, when we look at the blowing of the trumpets on this particular day, 
Not only did they blow the trumpets, but they offered sacrifices. And it was in counterpart with the sacrifices that they offered. In other words, when they blew the trumpets, they were also sacrificing. So in some ways, the sacrifice is connected with trumpets because when they were sacrificing, the trumpets was blowing. When the trumpets was blowing, they were sacrificing. So verse 10, that segment that says that they blew the trumpets of the sacrifices connects the trumpets with the sacrifices. Okay, now, uh, this text says, in, in, in Numbers 10, 10, this text says that the shofar was blown when the sacrifices was being offered. So here we see a correlation of the shofar and the sacrifice. What we want to see is that when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar on Mount Moriah, let us turn to Genesis. In Genesis, we want to look at Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, we want to see concerning this scenario when Abraham was taking Isaac, his son, to be sacrificed. And that's Genesis chapter 22. And let me see. Okay. All right. That's Genesis chapter 22. And uh, we're looking at verse 2. Okay. Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. It said, And he said, Take now thy son, Thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I would tell thee. Okay. Now, what he is saying is, is that he was to make an offering, and if you read the story, it goes on further to say. In verse 3, and Abraham rose up early in the morning and settled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which Elohim had told him. In other words, he was to take Isaac his own son and he was to sacrifice him. Okay, so what we see here is that Isaac is taking his son by the instructions of Elohim to take him up, and he had the wood and all of that. And if you read the narrative, his son asked uh, his father, Abraham, he said, I see the fire, and I see the sacrifice, he, not the sacrifice, but the wood and all that is for the sacrifice. But where is your sacrifice? And Abraham told him, he said, Elohim will supply his sacrifice, not knowing that Isaac himself was a sacrifice. Okay. However, as the scenario goes on, when he was about to sacrifice him, he heard a voice from the angel of Yahuwah calling unto him out of heaven, saying, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And the voice said unto him, Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do 
anything unto him, for now I know that you fear Elohim, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only begotten son, from me. And you read that in Genesis 22, 10 to 13. Okay, now, here's what I want us to focus in on is verse 13. Okay, let us look at verse 13 of the 22nd chapter of Genesis. Here it says, And Abraham lifted up his hand, his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering instead of his son. So here we are told that instead of offering Isaac as a sacrifice, Elohim had him to offer a ram. What is some of the significance of offering a ram? What is so ironical about Abraham offering a ram in the place of Isaac is that a ram is where we get a ram's horn or a shofar. That's where we get it from, a ram. Here we have a ram being offered as a sacrifice, and as such it provides its own material for a shofar. So they would take the ram's horn and they would make a shofar out of it. Consequently, it appears from Scripture that the ram's horn and the sacrifice are synonymous. In Numbers 10, verse 1, when Yah instructed Moses to make two silver trumpets, trumpets were already in existence even though they were not made of the same material. Nevertheless, whether the ram's horn or the silver trumpets were blown in Israel, they were in some ways blown for the same purposes. And one of those purposes was when ancient Israel sent up sacrifices, they would offer, they would be able to offer the sacrifice. So when we see the sacrifice, they were connected also with the shofar. So what we're looking at, when he introduced the shofar, we go all the way back to Abraham, in which he offered the ram, in which shofars was made from ram horns. So we see in that sacrifice that Abraham had, <clears throat> he had the ram's horn that came from the ram, even though at that time they were not blowing it. Okay. Now let us turn to Exodus. Okay, we're still on the introduction of the shofar to Israel. Okay, so we told in, Ar in Abraham's day that Abraham had a ram, and down through history they took the ram's horn and they made shofars out of them to blow. Now, here in Exodus chapter 19, we we'll to look at verses number 16 and 19, and here it says in verse 16 of the 19th chapter of the book of Exodus, it says, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning <clears throat> that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpets exceeding loud. 
so that all the people that was in the camp tremble. So here we see when Elohim was getting ready to give his covenant to his people Israel on Mount Sinai, that it tells us that it was on the third day or the third morning, and it was very, uh, it was a lot of thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mount and the voice of the trumpets exceeding loud so that it was so loud that the people began to tremble. Now, we also look at verse number 19. It said, and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and Elohim answered him by a voice. Now, here at Mount Sinai, at the giving of the covenant, we are told that the shofar was blown exceedingly loud and it sounded long and waxed louder and louder. Apparently, in these passages, we aren't told just who was blowing the shofar, whether it was Elohim or his angels or someone from the camp of Israel. We are simply told that a shofar was being blown. Remember that the blowing of this shofar was in the third month when Israel had come forth out of Egypt. Three months out of Egypt, hearing the sound of the trumpet's blast was a new experience for them. Up until now, the children of Israel <coughs> may have been familiar with the ram's shofar in Egypt, but it's doubtful if they knew anything about the silver trumpet until Yah told Moses to make two silver trumpets. So what we are pointing out is the history of when the trumpet was introduced to Israel. We know, no doubt, that from Abraham up until that time, they had rams shofars in which they would clean out the inside and be able to make a shofar out of those ram's horn. But it was, it was only until Elohim told Moses to make silver trumpets that they were being introduced to the trumpet by Elohim. So at this juxtaposition, let us consider both the ram's horn shofar and the silver shofar. So when we deal with these two types of trumpets, they have two different names. Generally, generally, the ram's horn in Hebrew would be a shofar. And the silver would be called a chatsosira. Chatsosira. Now that word chatsosira is spelled C-H-A-T-S-O T. S E R A H Chetsosira. The Chetsosira was the silver trumpet. It had a different name from the Ram's horn shofar. Now the Ram's shofar takes us all the way back to Abraham when he was about to sacrifice Isaac, which is a type of Yeshua being crucified. In this type, we have Abraham who is re 
representing the father, and Isaac, his son, representing Yeshua. However, when the son is about to be slain, the father in heaven forbids him from slaying his son. However, in place of Isaac, Abraham, there is a ram that is caught. And this ram that is caught in a thicket by his horns, Abraham takes this ram and he slays it for the sacrifice. This ram represents our Savior who crucified, who was crucified for the fallen race. So what we have here is that when Abraham got ready to crucify, uh, to slay his son, Elohim calls from heaven and he says, Abraham, Abraham, don't do your son any, any hurt. And he pointed him to a ram that was caught in the thicket. Okay, so when we look at Genesis uh, twenty-two thirteen, we are dealing with this particular ram that was caught in the thicket. And this ram was to stand in the place of Isaac representing Yeshua who would die on the cross uh, for the fallen race. Okay, so when we consider the analogy that is going on here in verse 13, it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked, in verse 13 of the 22nd chapter of Genesis, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered up for a burnt offering instead of his son. So the ram's head caught in a thicket. And, and when those horns got caught up in the thicket, he, the ram couldn't get away. And so Abraham was able to get the ram and to sacrifice him in place of his son. Now, the ram's head represented Yeshua's head, you see. The ram's horns were power and strength, which represent the son of man's power and strength. The ram's horns caught in the thicket represents Yeshua's head crowned with the crown of thorns. And when we turn to, let us turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, the 19th chapter. In the Gospel of John, the 19th chapter, we are told, in verse 2 it says, And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. So what we're seeing here is that that ram's horns, head caught in the thorns, is like Yeshua's head that they planted the crown of thorns on him. So that was a way of showing that Yeshua was the sacrifice that as Isaac was to portray. And the ram that took Isaac's place was to point to our Savior, Yeshua. So when Abraham came 
down off the mount with his son alive, it was as if Isaac himself had died. And then when he came down out of the mount with his father, it was as if he had resurrected from the grave and then restored to life like Yeshua when he went into the grave. And then he rose on the third day and he was resurrected to life. So when we look at Isaac's sacrifice, it correlates in many ways with the death of Yeshua when he died. Now, just as the ram's horn pointed us back to Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac, even so the silver trumpet points us forward to Yeshua's crucifixion. Now, the silver trumpets, as we pointed out, were called Chasosira, and it too was blown on a number of occasions, and one of them was during the slaying of the sacrifice. So we want to look at this particular trumpet, okay? The silver trumpet was to be blown at the sacrifice. The silver of which the Chasosira was made up of <coughs> would represent the silver which Judas used to betray Yeshua. The Bible says he uses 30 pieces, he covenanted with the priest for 30 pieces of silver to betray Yeshua. Consequently, the ram's horn and the silver trumpets respectively are a memorial of what Abraham did with Isaac and what our heavenly father did with Yeshua Yeshua's crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. So when we look at the silver horns, they point to the time when Judas betrayed him for the silver and he was crucified. So we see Abraham <clears throat> for the shofar and the silver trumpets for the time that Judas portrayed his Savior. Now we want to turn. <clears throat> now that we have some history some history on <clears throat> the shofar. <clears throat> now we want to go into some of the meanings of the shofar to find out what is what what is the meaning of all this. So we want to turn uh, to back to Leviticus. <clears throat> uh, we want to turn back to Leviticus chapter twenty-three. Leviticus chapter twenty-three, and we want to look at verse twenty-three again down to twenty-five because of some important elements that we need to look at here. Now here the Bible says, and Jehovah spake unto Moses, saying, speak unto the children of Israel, saying, in the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath. So it's, it's like a Sabbath. And notice what it says here. A memorial of blowing of trumpets and holy convocation. Okay, and in verse 25 says, Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto Yehoah. So what we see here is that on this first day of the seventh month, it was to be a Sabbath, no work should be done, it's to be a holy convocation. And what I want to point you to, it says it, it, it was to be a memorial, okay? All right, now, 
with that in mind, let us turn to Numbers chapter 10. And uh, in, in chapter 10, we want to look at verse uh, Numbers chapter 10, and we want to look at verse number 8. Now, here's what number ver- verse number 8 says. Numbers 10, verse 8, it said, And Aaron's and the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow with the trumpets, and they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. Okay, now, in this particular passage, it is speaking about the sons of Aaron blowing the trumpets, and it was to be a memorial, it said, throughout their generations. In other words, it was not a one-time thing, but it was a continuous thing. Okay, now, as I pointed out, when you look at the chapter 10 of the book of Numbers, it point out a plethora of ways in which the tr- uh, of occasions, a plethora of occasions in which the trumpet was blown. Okay, so when they blow it on a number of, uh, of occasions. So here we are told that Yah's people, the Israelites, were to blow shofars on the first day of the seventh month. It was a memorial of blowing shofars. And general, generally, when we speak concerning a memorial, it is something to be remembered. Yah wanted his people to remember this day on the first day of the seventh month, like they remembered the seventh day of every week as the Shabbat. When Yah deals with the shofar in the Torah, he instructed Israel to use it on a number of occasions. The shofar of which we also refer to as the trumpet was to ancient Israel what the internet is to us today. It was their means of communication. That's what the shofar was for. When we read in the book of Numbers in the 10th chapter, we are given a number of instances whereby the trumpets were blown. They were blown in a number of occasions. In Numbers 10, 10, it is also pointed out that the trumpets were to be blown on the solemn days. These solemn these days of solemnity, solemnity were Yah's festival days, which came, a, came about once a year. Consequently, when we deal with the Feast of Trumpets, which is so far referred to as Yom Teruah, Yom meaning day and Teruah meaning blowing, it was a day of blowing. That's what it was, a day of blowing. It was not a new year. They may have a new life, but not a new year. However, when we read in the book of Numbers about the number of occasions of which the trumpets were blown, we notice particularly that it was blown as a warning of some kind. These warnings came with a variety in a variety of ways. Let us notice some of, of them. Here we are told in the book of Numbers, chapter 10, that the trumpets were blown, in verse 2 it says, to assemble his people together. That was one of the reasons. And when they were blown to assemble the people together, it was a warning that Yah was calling his people to come before him. Okay? In other words, when it was, some warnings were devastating uh, warnings, and some warnings were mild warnings. In verse, the second part of verse 2 it says, they were to blow the trumpets when 
they were to start on their journey. This was a warning that his people were getting ready to travel. In verse 3, they were to blow the shofar to assemble at the door of the tabernacle. Here again was a warning to get ready to assemble at a certain place. In verse 4, they were to blow the trumpets, and it meant only that the heads or the leaders were to gather themselves together. See, when they blew one trumpet, according to verse 4, when they only blew one, you remember Moses had to make two, but when they blew one, it was only the leaders of the nations or of the tribes that they were together together. So here we see a warning in the sense of bringing the leaders of Israel together. And verses 5 and 6 says they blew the trumpets as an alarm for the directions to go forward. In other words, here we see that the trumpets being blown to direct the tribes to disassemble in an orderly way. So they would start with the eastern tribes, and then they would start with the southern tribes when they got ready to travel. They didn't just jump up when they got ready to travel and just threw their suitcases here and there, and everybody just started marching. No, they left in an orderly way, and they would know the certain trumpet sound to do that. Verse 9, they blew the trumpets when they went to war. Here was a warning that when they went to face their enemy, they sounded an alarm. And Yahuwah would remember them and save them from their enemies. So what we see is a number of occasions they blew the trumpet. If this is true, that all of these occasions whereby the trumpets were blown, they com- they, their communication Uh, They communicating information in the form of a warning of some sort as what would be happening. If that is true concerning the, the messaging of the trumpet's sound on those occasions, then naturally I would suppose this to be true when the trumpets were blown on the first day of the seventh month. If all the other trumpet blasts carried a warning, why wouldn't this one carry a warning also? Now let us turn to Numbers chapter 29. Numbers chapter 29, and we want to start with the first verse, Numbers 29, verse 1. Okay, now Numbers 29, verse 1 says this, And in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, Ye shall have an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work. It is a day of blowing of trumpets. And I notice what it says further. And ye shall offer a burnt offering for a sweet savor unto Yehoah, one young bullock, one ram, and seven lambs of the first year without blemish. Okay, so it says, along with the blowing of the trumpets, they said they should also offer a sacrifice. So here we are told in this passage that they were to have a holy assembly and do no servile work, and they were to offer an appropriate sacrifices. They were to offer us appropriate sacrifices. And as we observe these passages, there are two things we should be cognizant of concerning the blowing of trumpets. In Numbers 10.10, 10, 
It said, you shall blow with the trumpets over your ascending smoke offerings and over your sacrifices. Okay, now let us turn to Numbers 28. Numbers 28, and we want to look at verses 3 and 4. It says, and thou shalt say unto them, this is the offering made by fire, which ye shall offer unto Jehovah, two lambs of the first year without spot, day by day for a continual burnt offering. And verse 4 says, the one lamb shalt thou offer in the morning, and the other lamb shalt thou offer at even. Okay. This is the offering made of fire, which you shall offer unto Yehoah, two lambs of the first year without spot, day by day. The one lamb shall be offered in the morning, and the other lamb shall be offered at evening. So what we are seeing here, every morning and every evening when they blow the shofar, in the morning they blew it, that was a sacrifice. And in the evening when they blew it, it was a sacrifice. We observe here that the trumpets were blown, were blowing or blown during the sacrifice or the sacrificial offerings. And the sacrificial offerings occurred every day. Therefore, the trumpets were blowing every day. And what we are seeing is that there is a correlation between the shofar and the sacrifice. Now let us examine these correlations more closely and see what are our findings. We stated earlier that the blast of the trumpet served as a means of communicating information in the form of a warning of some sort. So we ask ourselves the question, what communicational information concerning a warning can we find when the trumpets were blown on the first day of the seventh month when they had a holy assembly and did no survival work and just blew trumpets and sacrificed? What is the warning we are to see in this scenario? The correlation, <clears throat> the correlation of the shofar and the sacrifice has a warning in them, okay? Now, as the trumpets blew, the sacrifices were offered. We have what we would call a shofar offering, a shofar offering. The sounding of a shofar during the slaying of the sacrifice is what is meant by the trumpet tones. So when they blew that trumpet and when they were sacrificing, the trumpet tones was given a message. The sound of the shofar, along with the sacrifices, is a message of warning that we are sinful and need to be atoned for. That's what it was saying. We are sinful and we need the atonement. What other reason which we can give for a sacrificial offering other than that we have sinned and we are in need of being atoned for. Such a warning as this takes us all the way back to our first covenant Elohim made with Adam and Eve 
And this covenant is found in Genesis. Let's go back to that first covenant. We want to go back to the first covenant that he made. Let's go back to Genesis. And in Genesis, we want to look at chapter 2. And in Genesis chapter 2, we want to look at verse number 17. Notice what it says. It says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Okay, that was the first covenant that he had made with our first parents. Okay, so we want to see the connection of the trumpets and and the sacrifice. So that was the first covenant that he made. That if they eat, they will die. Even though the day, even though day, a day in Yah's calculation is a thousand years, and Adam only lived 930 years, in actuality, he did not die. He did not die in the day he ate of the forbidden. So what I'm saying is, when when Yah said he would die in the day that he would eat, it wasn't talking about a 24-hour period, okay? Because for Yah, a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And this is what the Apostle Peter says in, 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 in some of his writings, that a day is a thousand years with Yah, and a thousand years is as, as a day. So when he looks at a day, he's looking at a thousand years. So he says that when Adam ate, that he would die in that day, which would meant that he would die within a period before a thousand years expired. And so if he lived and be 930, he did not live a day in the sight of Elohim. He died. However, he possibly could have died instantly or even living 100 years he could have died. So we have to ask ourselves the question, why did it wait 930 years and he had only 70 more years to live a day? Why Why didn't he die sooner or earlier? He could have died. He could have died within several months, but he didn't. He lived 930 years. So why didn't he die? Okay, let's find out why he did not die. Because when Elohim said he would die, he meant what he said. However, what extended his life expectancies was that he was atoned for by his creator. That's, that's what saved him from not dying immediately because he was atoned for. And let's find out about this atonement. Now, the atonement we find is found in Genesis 3, and we want to look at verse number 21. Genesis 3, 21 says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did Jehoah Elohim make coats of skin, make coats of skins and clothe them. So the Bible says that Elohim himself, the father of the human race, what did he do? He slayed some animals, and in slaying those animals, I would think that the animals that he slew were some of the animals that uh, they had, which were the lambs. And when he slew them, he made coats of skins for Adam and Eve. By clothing Adam and Eve in coats of skin, it was not only an atonement to spare their life, but it was also a warning that if they sinned, someone had to die. That's what it was about. Someone had to die. 
if they didn't die, then someone had to die in their place in order for them to live. So if Adam and Eve did not die right away, that meant somebody else had to take their place. The innocent animal Elohim slew to make the once holy couple acceptable to him was an indication that by these coats of covering, their sins were also covered. So when we look at this covering, it was a covering of their sins. And this is the first introduction of what we call the Day of Atonement because the trumpets are actually pointing to the Day of Atonement. And when we talk about Day of Atonement, it comes from the Hebrew Hebrew words, Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur means a day of covering. That's what it means. And when we look at it in the New Testament, it calls it a day of atonement. But when you look at it from the original Hebrew, it means a day of covering. But the first covering that we have is found in the book of Genesis when Elohim used these coats of skin and he covered them. That was the first initiation of the day of atonement, which trumpets was looking forward to. These coats were worn. These coats they wore, they were wearing, denoted that when one sins, someone has to die, and that sin is punishable by death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. However, their coats also denoted the warm love of the Creator for them after they sin, that he himself would be willing to die for them, since he was incapable of dying, he gave them a promise to deliver, uh, a, a promise of a deliverer who would be willing to die for them. Now, let us look at the promise. In other words, he was telling them somebody had to die, and if you don't die eternally, someone will have to die that eternal death for you, and he gave them a promise. And we see this promise in Genesis 3.15. What does it say? He said, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This was the first prophecy of the coming Messiah who would be bruised. His head would be bruised by the seed of the serpent and the seed of the serpent would bruise his heel. So in this text, it was talking about the Messiah to come. He would be bruised for us. Now, he would bruise the serpent's head, but the serpent seed would bruise his heel. So the voice of Yeshua telling the holy couple, if they ate of the forbidden, they would die, was the trumpet voice speaking to them about the promised Messiah who would be coming to redeem them. Yet what he said was also a warning that sin means someone has to die. We can't out sin without somebody dying. Every sin that we sin, somebody has to pay for that. Elohim is a responsible Elohim. He does not do things just haphazardly. If we sin, we have to die. And if we don't die, someone has to die in our place. So the trumpet and the sacrifice is pointing out to us that 
Genesis 3.15, that the message of the trumpet sound is that Yah hates sin and someone has to die. And because Yah, our Elohim, couldn't die, he sent his son who could die and he would come and die in our place to give us everlasting life. When we celebrate the Feast of Trumpets, we are also celebrating the sacrifice. The annual festivals of Yah are positioned in such a manner that the first festival points to the one coming after it, and that one points to the next one. And also, in reverse manner, the seventh annual feast points back to the sixth, and the sixth points on, on back until they get to the first. What is it that the Feast of Trumpets is pointing us toward, and what is its significance? In other words, the main thing that we get from the sacrifice, the main thing is that we get blood, and blood represents life. And when we get the life, the life of the animal was slain so that the repentant can give its life of sin to the sacrificial offering, and the sacrificial offering gave its pure life to the repentant. So as a result, when we look at that in tight, the animal's life for the repentant's life, and then when we look at it in antitype, we look at the lamb of Elohim, who was our lamb. He was slain for us. And so when he was slain for us, we gave him our life of sin. He gave us his life of righteousness. So when the trumpet is blown, the trumpet is pushing us toward the time of the day of atonement, which would be 10 days after the first, first day on the 10th day of the seventh month, you would have the day of atonement to see how the blood of Yeshua that came from the sacrifices would be applied to our lives. So as we look at the Feast of Trumpets, it was a festival of the blowing of the trumpets, but also of the sacrifices to let us know that the message from these shofars is saying that we have sinned and we need the blood of Yeshua to atone for us. Father, we thank you for this day to help us to get ready now, that as we look forward in nine more days that we'll be celebrating the Feast of Atonement, and in that particular feast, we'll show what the blood is to do for each one of us. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen and amen.